1: tomorrow can be bigger Just grow let the world over from yeah. Give my life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness my life bigger than yourself bigger.
2: Hello. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
1: All of you. Is anyone left out of all of you? That includes all of us, right? He says, all of you live in harmony. Literally be of one mind. That doesn't mean that we're not different. It just means that we harmonize. In a choir, we have baritones, we have bass, basses, we have uh, altos, tenors, sopranos, and uh, probably some, some mezzo-sopranos and a whole bunch of stuff mixed in there. The point is, everybody sounds a little bit different, but when we all come together, that's when the beauty uh, really happens. He says, I want all of you to live... Did it say Live. That means it's not an event, it's a lifestyle. This is how you live. To live in harmony with one another. Individually, we are drops of water and that, that's terrific, but only together can we become an ocean. People ask me sometimes, Bishop, why do we need to continue to grow? Why are we talking about buildings and larger spaces? Well, the truth is a, a stream can impact the community. Uh, sometimes uh, just a neighborhood, but uh, often even a larger community. A river can sometimes be interstate, you know, the Mississippi runs through quite a few states in the country, uh, but an ocean can impact the entire world. And the more drops we have coming together here at Grace, the greater the impact across the globe. And I believe God wants to raise up a tidal wave of influence from this house to impact folks that do not know him. Peter says, live in harmony with one another, no matter your educational level, your experience or your title. If you can't get along with other people, you're not going to accomplish much for God. It requires all of us. Scripture says, if two or three of us are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. Thank God when God's with me, when I'm by myself, but something special happens. When two or three of us get together behind one purpose, worshiping that one name. The bottom line is he's saying from the outset, we need each other. How many of you agree with that? What Peter's about to do is lay out four characteristics uh, necessary for us to operate in harmony. Necessary for us to stay in the church, to stay in the community that God has called us to live in. Number one... He says, if you're going to learn how to get along with other people, and by the way, the Bible talks about the last days. And in the last days, it describes the people. It says that they're treacherous, that they're uh, insolent, uh, they're, they're lovers of uh, uh, of selves and not of God. And there's a whole list of things that uh, Scripture spoke about people in these last days. And, and I'm watching much of that come to pass. I, I, I'm finding uh, what I'm, I'm beginning to call sociopathic Christians. There are people who say they have a gifting, a calling, and a relationship with God, but could care less about anyone else in the room. It's all about, you know, a, a sociopath, he can't feel other people, doesn't care about other people. Uh, typically, they're just manipulating uh, to, to get in position, to, to leverage that, to, to, to uh, take things uh, from other people. Sociopaths typically end up in prison. And likewise, in the church, there are many people, spiritually incarcerated because of this sociopathic mentality that was free let's get to the word (laughs) Peter says number one if you want to make it in the church of God there's no more important team on the globe than God's church God's ecclesia God's people if you want to make forget the football team the basketball team there's one team you want to make you want to make God's church are you hearing me but if you're going to do it, it's going to require some characteristics. Everyone can't play on, play on a team. A lot of folks, are, you know, because, you know, today again, and, and man, I, I wanted to be a little more positive, but forgive me, it's just coming out this way, this is probably what you need. But, you know, I have my own personal relationship with God. Please have your personal relationship with God. That's valuable. That's essential. But if it's only a personal relationship with God, you're in trouble. It's very, very important. If, if your relationship with God is just you, your television, and your Bible when you're alone, But you can't tolerate other folks when they come home into your house. You can't be around other saints in the body of Christ. It's always about you, your grief, and what you're doing, your vision in life, and and, and all the rest. Something's gone wrong in your maturity. Jesus was God taking on flesh. He hung out all the time with 12 men. All the time. Everywhere he went, he couldn't go to the bathroom without 12 men being there with him. Jesus operated in community. So if you're going to be like him, you likewise have to operate in what? Community. Not only did he have the 12, he had the 70. At one point, he sent out seventy, and then even in the upper room, before the Spirit of God uh, came on the earth to to really uh, uh, fill the church and, and and to begin the church age, there was 120, not a singular prayer meeting. It wasn't one guy that got along with God. It was 120 people that stayed together daily. It was uh, it was between Passover and Pentecost, so maybe about 50 days. These folks stayed together. Imagine having a church 50 days in a row, and people still keep coming. This was a situation in the early church. They understood that the context of walking out your relationship with God happened in fellowship with other people. The proof of my relationship with God is how I treat you, how I behave with you. Are, are you here? Yeah. All right. He said, number one, if you're going to last and make it in the church in these last days, you need to be sympathetic. Literally in the Greek, this means to... Or sympathy here means to feel other people's pain. And as I said, many people today are so preoccupied with their own personal pain, what happened to them and and all these other things. And and listen, I'm sympathetic and and I'll pray with you and for you, but you can't grow till you get yourself off your mind. Are you hearing me? Again, so many people are so full of themselves that they can't feel anybody else. I mean, they're wounding people on the way because they've been wounded, but they're not even aware of it because they're so full of their thing, their issues. And if you're going to make it in the church, you're going to have to learn to feel other people's pains. This is why also many people's lives are are cold. Now, you know, there's uh, lots of of reasons. Well, how how do you how, how would you describe a warm person? Typically. A warm, a warm person is not necessarily warm because they're funny, because some people are funny at your expense. A warm person is not necessarily warm because, you know, they give hugs. Typically, a person is warm when you sense they care about you. Warmth comes from getting yourself off of your mind long enough to consider the needs of another person. And the church should be the warmest place on planet Earth. People should be coming in from the cold, To get around people that don't just have themselves on their minds. Are you hearing me? And folks come in and experience that warmth and decide, you know what? If there's any place I'd like to be, I'd like to be amongst the people. Not sure about their God yet, but there's a warmth here. And guess what? If they hang around long enough, they'll find out what they need to know and they'll become worshipers too. But if we're going to make it in these last days, we have to be unlike the world. It's not dog eat dog. You have to uh, feel for other people. You have to be sympathetic. But the second thing he says here that we need to do, we need to love as what? Brothers. We need to we need to love people as if our relationship is going to be permanent. Uh, my brother and I, we we've not always gotten along. But guess what? He's my brother. And that relationship is permanent. I don't get to choose my family, but I must choose to love my family. You may not be able to choose everyone that comes to this church, but you must choose to love everyone in this church. Are are you hearing me? We need to love people, not as if they're stepping stones getting you to where you're going, but to love them as if they are a permanent part of your life, that you 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 plan to be with them eternally. We're to love as brothers. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I'm stuck with you? Then look at your other neighbor and say, you're stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. We're to love as brothers. Whether me and my brother like each other or not, we have to sit around that Thanksgiving table. We have to work out whatever issues there are between us. Our relationship is permanent. And by the way, there's no greater way to please my parents than for their kids to get together and have a good time. God the Father is no different. There's no greater way to please God the Father than to see his kids getting along. You hear me? Loving on each other and and acting like family. Number three, Peter's giving us good advice. We need to be sympathetic. Love as if the relationships are going to be permanent. Love as brothers. But number three, be what? Compassionate. Now, in the Greek, the term translated compassionate there was originally a medical term. And it was used for something that seems a little bit odd to us. Uh, it's used for the intestines. So this term, uh, intestines, came to mean compassion. What is it talking about? It's talking about loving people from your belly. It's talking about living life from your belly. It's talking about belly love, if you will. How many of you remember having a belly laugh? Wasn't that wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that exciting? Didn't, didn't you feel rejuvenated and lifting, lifted? It's one thing to smile, that's nice. It's another thing to kind of chuckle. But those belly laughs when you start rolling on the floor, man, you just feel younger, you know, when, when it's over. And God is saying that he wants to renew your youth, but you cannot have your youth renewed acting like an old fart. I don't know how to say that better. I'm oh, sorry, I, wasn't, I didn't have enough time to clean that up. By the third service, I'll get that right. But we're not to love people out of our left brains. You know, when everything lines up, you get everything right, and you're, everything, you know, then I love. No, no, no. Our love's going to be a little little deeper than that. We're to love people from our guts. Meaning, I, I feel you. I mean, you know what? It doesn't make sense necessarily for me to love you, but I, it's deep down inside, I, I have a gut-level love uh scientists and, and doctors and the rest they'll tell you uh that uh the human body has uh we only have one brain but they kind of call the 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 gut area the second brain that's why when you uh eat something that doesn't agree with you it, it really it impacts you and you feel it so quickly and and actually if you you know nausea impacts everything about you because outside the brain uh and you know I I guess part of the, the top of the spinal column will be included the greatest amount of nerves that exist in your body, the greatest cluster of nerves is in your guts, in your intestines. And that's why, you know, Bible talks about bowels of compassion. It's talking about intestines. The, 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 your, your, your stomach needs to remain sensitive to other people. And what happens is we can become very, very callous because there's so much pain and so much misery going on in the world. But you know what? I may be callous about every other child in the world, but not my own. I may be callous about every other man or woman in the world, but not my sister, not my brother. And we need to have that love that comes from the gut. I care about you. And when I say that, you know, I mean, it wasn't just out of the left side of my perfunctory brain where I was trying to be religious. You know that I care. And he says here that if you're going to make it in the church, listen, many times we say, well, I left church. I don't go to church anymore because they weren't nice. No, 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 no you're probably like the dog that the, um, I'm not calling you a dog, but you're you like a dog. It's just a metaphor, a little example. These little boys had nothing to do, and um, you know, boys get into mischief when they have too much time on their hands. And there was a little stray dog in the neighborhood, and it was on uh, one of the kids' lawns, and they weren't so happy about that. So the boys got an idea. They were playing with cans, and I, I think a uh, uh, they were trying to listen, you know, one to the other end, and they were, the other kid was at the other end, and they were trying to hear each other from a distance, playing telephone with the can and the string. They decided that they were going to wrap these uh, two cans and the string around the neck of the dog. And after they wrapped it around the neck of the dog, the dog was frightened and the dog began to rant. But here's the deal, the louder the cans uh, became, and the louder they rattled, the faster the dog ran. The dog did not realize his problem was tied around his own neck. And many times we're running from things, we think it's them. But the real issue is the problem's tied around our own neck. And we need God to cut it and set us free. It's not them, nine times out of ten, it's us. Sometimes it is them. But if you are sympathetic, if you can you you, you can you're not using people. You can genuinely love people as if the relationship's going to be permanent. If you can feel for other people, typically you're going to make it in relationships. But the reason our relationships don't last long often is because we don't have these characteristics that Peter is talking about here. He says, "Be sympathetic, love his brothers, be compassionate." But then he kind of uh, wraps it all up with with a single word. He says, "Number four, be humble. Humility." is operating with a servant's heart. That's not denying you're beautiful when you're beautiful. It's not dressing down and all the rest of the stuff. Humility is when you come into the room and you're not there to be served, but to serve. That's the way Jesus came into planet earth. We sung a song, Lord, I want to be like you. Well, if you want to be like him, be like him. Jesus said, he said in his word, I did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. If you have a consumer mentality about everyone in your life and you're going to stay with people only as long as they bless you and serve you, guess what? Your relationships aren't going to last too long and they're only going to be about an inch deep. But when you come to serve and be a blessing versus just to receive a blessing, that's when you step into the blessed life and you really can identify with the living and love of our Savior, Jesus. So Peter here, he puts the nails down uh, uh, in, in these four areas that the church needs to grow in order to remain the church. But uh, then he uh, uh, kind of gets a little bit ugly, and he decides to take all the sugar out of the Kool-Aid in the next verse. He gets a little raw. And uh, he didn't say this because he was trying to be crude, but he wanted uh, this this loving as brothers, compassion and sympathy uh, to to all be put into practical actions and steps. He says this, Do not repay evil with evil. Or insult with insult. He says, church, if you want to remain a church, if you want to make it to the uh, 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 field goal line, you're going to have to stop going tit for tat with people. You're going to have to stop getting into the dirt with people. I recognize what the usher did. I, I'm very aware of what the greeter didn't do. I, I'm aware that maybe that person in the eighth row is not kind to you and nice to you. But when you go tit for tat with that person, you end up just like that person. So then how can you judge that person? Are you hearing me? How can you even help that person when you've got into the same mess that that person is in? He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with what? What he's saying is somebody somewhere has to become the grown up. And here's the deal. Many times in church, I know we've been there 50, 30 years, a mother to church. But the issue is, are you grown up? He's saying, "Listen, somebody has to, to to take the high ground. Someone has to love the unlovely. When something bad has to, happens to that person, they need to be big enough not not to destroy the whole room for the sake of their minor hurt, but but learn to wisely deal with it. when you the church." And and I, I'm, you're kind of hearing a little bit of a, a repetition in the things I, I, I'm, I'm teaching over the last couple of weeks because it's a word from God, and I, I don't think we're going to move camp until we get this in our hearts. People in church will hurt you. People, now he, he's not, right now he's not, he, in a minute he's going to talk about outsiders. He's talking about the people in the church. They will insult you. They will do evil to you. The issue is not what they did though, it's how you respond. You hear me? And when you use what they did as your excuse, you're no better. You say they're a hypocrite. No, you're a hypocrite. Because you running just like they're running. You got just as low as they got. So how are you leaving them and somehow better than them because you're not with them anymore when you just like them? So Peter again takes all the sugar out the Kool-Aid. He said, "Listen, do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult, but with what? Blessing. Why? Because to this you were called." Well, you, you say, well, I'm called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, maybe that's true, but why don't you grow up first? Everyone is called, whether you're an apostle, prophet, pastor, I don't care, gifts of healing. All of us are called to take insults. Did you hear that? He so said, not me, everyone, this is what the word of God says. He said, you were called to be insulted. You were called to be evil spoken of. Jesus said it this way. Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, speak all manner of evil against you. Rejoice in that day because that's the way they treated the prophets. Jesus didn't say get sad. He didn't say leave the the church, the community. He said to rejoice. Why are we going from place to place to place? Because we don't choose to rejoice. Instead, we get at the same level as the folk around us. He says, because to this you were called, that you might experience or inherit the what? Blessing. You will not inherit the blessing until you pass the test. And the test is often insult and evil. The test is not whether or not you lay hands on someone, they get healed. That's not the test. That's just that's faith in the name of Jesus. But the test is when when people aren't kind to you, how do you handle it? And here's the bad news, or maybe good news, depending on your, your mentality, you're gonna be tested. Everything of value is worth being tested. He says here, you were called to this, that you might what, inherit the blessing implied there, is if you don't stay put, if you don't do right when evil insults come, you won't inherit the blessing. So why is it some of us in the church, again, 10 years, 5 years, 3 years, but no blessing? Because you're not passed the test. That blessing will only come when you can handle insult. I love to tell a story of John and Charles Wesley. I believe it was uh, uh, John Wesley, who uh, you know, he was circuit riding and he would get on his horse and go places to preach and People were not receiving his, well, actually the crowds were receiving his message, but some people really took issue with his message. Everywhere he went, he was persecuted. And uh, one day, I don't know how many years he was into his ministry, but he went a whole day and no one threw a rotten uh, egg at him or a rotten tomato. No one harassed him or called him an ugly name. So instead, well, when, when evening came, he, well, he, he got on his, his knees and he began to ask God, did I do anything wrong? Father, have I missed you? Am I not preaching the truth anymore? Because nothing bad has has happened. He was concerned. How many of us get concerned when there's no opposition? No, we say we're blessed. No, I'm blessed and highly favored. That wasn't the mentality of this leader. And when he got off his knees, he was going to his horse. And on his way to his horse, I don't remember if it was a, a rotten egg or, or a potato, but someone threw it and hit him in his head and he just lifted his hand and gave glory to God, I'm, right, I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah. This, God, being so thin-skinned, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to be mean. You, you're not going to make it in the church if you're so sensitive. Everyone's not going to get you. Everyone's not going to like you. Get over it. And go to serve and not just to be served. And with that attitude, listen, there'll be nothing that comes against this church that can shake this church. If people embrace these qualities of, of Jesus. He said, do all these things so that you can inherit a what? Blessing. Now, what Peter's about to do is make sure that nothing's left unclear. So he's going to go into the Old Testament and for two verses he's going to explain what the blessings are that he's speaking of. Now this is the bl- blessing, by the way, you'll forfeit when you start going tit for tat. When you start trying to get evening. When, when you start, you know, shaking your head and all the rest stuff and getting down on the level of the folks around you. This is what you're going to forfeit. Here it goes, verse 10. For whoever would love life and see what? Loving life and seeing good days is a blessing from God. So don't let anyone... Anyone calls you to forfeit your blessing of loving life and seeing good days because you couldn't resist an argument. Sometimes you have to learn to walk away. But here's what you must do. Keep their tongue from evil. In the new DGV version, that's the Derek Ray version of the Bible. (laughs) The literal translation is shut up. Sometimes you have to learn to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you have to learn it's not worth winning that argument. Sometimes you have to learn, and for me, that's a hard thing. And it's taking me a little while because someone get me mad. Now, you know, I step into that zone. And I, like I said, when, when I get angry, and all you, you get angry, and that, it comes on you, you feel like you prophesy when you speak. And you feel like the hand of God is on you. You know what I'm saying? There's fire and brimstone, and uh, you feel it. And somehow you speak clearer than you ever spoken and, and quicker, sharper. You know, and I had to learn to resist that anointing. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I have to be quiet, even though I'm right. Verse 11. They must turn from evil and do good. The blessing is the ability to do good when you want to do bad. They must seek peace, pursue Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. You you may have missed that. But answered prayer is part of the blessing. If you don't love life, have good days, and receive answers to prayer, it's probably because you decided to get in the mud with other people. But listen, those who love life, those who have good days, those who receive answers to prayer, have probably walked away from more fights. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some fights are not worth having. I know you can win. I know you bad. I know it. But if you want to love life and have good days, sometimes you have to just let it go. I'm not arguing with you. Just, just let it go.
2: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian, or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.